hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Answer Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Sack. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Because he has a lot of chit spot. <laughs> Alright. Hello and welcome to episode 379 of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, proud 20-year young adult brain cancer survivor, coming to you right now from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Broadcasting since 2007, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. It is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. Got a great show lined up for you here. Cancer, I need a lawyer. We are shining a light on the New York Legal Assistance Group. Joining us will be Donna Antoniatis, I got that right, uh, legal health attorney, and Victoria Knight, young adult survivor, to discuss NYLAG's legal health division, which unites medical professionals and the law to improve the lives of clients and their families facing illness, and a special mic drop studio guest co-host here, my dear friend, the one and only Julie Larson. going to be a great show. Hello, Julie. Happy to be here. Oh, my Thanks, goodness. Yeah. I'm like giddy. <laughs> it's been a long time since it's, I've sat in this room. It's been a long time since you've been on the show. I know. And yet I'm I saw you a month ago. I know. it. With, with, with Reverend Kane. Hello. Yes. How Hello. are you feeling, Kenny? Uh, this weather isn't helping. This up and down and whatnot. Whatnot. Uh, you got a road trip to go on. And your I fancy do. rides in a Camaro. Yeah. I do, I do. Uh, in the Camaro. Yes. And I'm sure the beer isn't helping. Let's see if your 0 to 60 is inversely <laughs> proportional to your immune system. Say what? Your, if your 0 to 60 in the in the Camaro right. is inversely proportional to your immune system. My, my, my immune system is in sport mode. <laughs> yeah. As is the Camaro. It does. It needs to be. So you dropped it off. It's getting wrapped. I did. And the big reveal coming up soon for our public. The, yes. It's a big deal. Yes. It's getting wrapped. That means they're putting all the stupid cancer, yes. cancer con yes. stuff. So right now it is bright red. Okay. It has 450 something horsepower. Wow. Uh, very fast. It doesn't like to go slow. It doesn't like to go uh, vision zero speed <laughs> here in New York City, <laughs> oh, which boy. is 25 miles an hour. Uh, the tail shakes when you hit the gas pedal kind of thing. It's, wow. very, it's very nice. It seems the appropriate car leading yeah, up to cancer con. And for Kenny. Right, but. right. I mean, it will be a small miracle that we make it there, A, with no speeding tickets, and B, <laughs> alive. We have to budget for um, EMT reimbursements. Yeah, yeah. There is a giant SOS button on the rearview mirror. This is, is, I think, the first time we're going to be reliant on OnStar. Yeah, really. well, my first thought <laughs> when I saw it this year is I was like, you know, what if you can't reach the SOS button? <laughs> Based on your predicament, <laughs> post needing the SOS button. The, the things Kenny thinks about. Yeah. Well. Drive safely. Yes. Yeah. Please, please Let's drive get there safe. safely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're, yeah. April 8th, 7th, right? April 7th, Boston. Well, yes. actually, technically, April 5th, New York City is our kickoff. Right. And then oh. April 7th is when John and I start sleeping in the same room. <laughs> Where uh, are you kicking nightly. off in New York? Uh, at a place called, I should know He's this. He's not prepared. 
Mm. He's not prepared. Trying to catch him off guard. Well, my, my, my assistant didn't report <laughs> today. Yeah. Uh, at a place called Lazy Point. It's on Spring Street near the Holland Tunnel. Okay, so just as you exit the city. Right. right. Okay. So just in case we need to exit the city. He head right out the Holland Tunnel afterwards. Right. Off you go. And then, yeah, off off you go. For Just married. Yeah, literally. The, you should get the cans behind the car driving out. Oh, God. Speaking of which, Cantricon is coming up. Fully sold out. Exhibitors sold out. Waiting list in the dozens and the scores. Some A large number. Uh, we got patient scholarships this year. We have... What, it's in the stones, mate. Yeah. Uh, 40 workshops, and I don't know, it's, it's off the charts. Amazing. I don't, I don't know how we're going to top 2015, but that's our goal is to top it. And um, we uh, have a fundraiser coming in Denver, uh, December. No, not December. When is Denver? I said Denver, December. I have no idea. Sean's not here. It's after the January event. Toast Denver is next Thursday. Thank you. Okay. Toast.tubicancer.org, our inaugural fundraiser in Denver leading up to CancerCon, April 28, 29, 30, May 1st at the Sheraton downtown. Uh, yeah, too late to register, regrettably, but we are producing some of the workshops on YouTube, so they'll be enduring media for us to uh, share with our global audience to check out what you missed, and we hope to see you next year. And uh, I think that, that's, that's pretty big news right there. Anything with the store, Kenny? Uh, always new merch happening. Um, Anything with the road trip? You're giving away like a... Like a we don't have any room. No. Are you not going to tow a little <laughs> no. camper with you? Yeah, no. Yes. That'd be the last <laughs> thing we do. With your 450 horsepower car with your little right. camper in tow? Yeah, that camper would be about uh, three miles behind us on the highway. Yeah, not not a good thing. No. Not a good thing. All right. Well, we got a, a good full house here. Domna's here. Uh, hello, Domna. Hi, how, how are, are you? you? And uh, Victoria, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. We're going to be interviewing you officially later on in the show, but have you have you ever heard of us before? Domna recently introduced me to you, so I've um, been online and I've listened to some podcasts. Oh, God, that, that accent. <laughs> oh, I just can't. I can't with that accent. It's, it's too good. It's too good. That's like the Queen's English right there. That's some proper British right it's there. really not, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, my ignorant New York accent coming into play, judging yours all for the better. Anyway. So let's let's uh, kickstart the show. I'm so emphatic uh, here to introduce the lovely Julie Larson, licensed clinical social worker with an interactive therapist. What is this? An interactive therapist with a highly personalized approach. I love it. I love the PR. Julie is the former uh, former Avon lady. Yes, <laughs> former director of young adult programming at Cancer Care. Um, she has extensive experience working with people facing unforeseen medical diagnosis. The I would say the the queen. Of young adult cancer psychotherapy <laughs> says so says me. Please welcome Julie Larson to the Stupid Cancer Show. A lot of royalty in here tonight. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, in his effusive titles. Yes, you gotta o- love only that. only in hyperbole. Uh-huh. Yes, well, ret- rhetoric and hyperbole are are inversely proportional to Kenny's inebriation on the show. So, there you go. Whilst whilsting. Yes, exactly. We were just going over yes. before the show. Our our um, God, it's like our fifteen year, no, thirteen year. Yeah. Love affair. Set wait, when, 2005, when did we meet? no, 2004, I think we first met. 12 years? That's a long time. That's a long time. Very long time. Uh, I was kind of flotsam and jetsam back then, not knowing what I was going to do with my life and just meandering around as the young adult would know what's next in his world, even though it was eight years later. You walked into my group just as your basic young adult diagnosed with cancer. Um, and then come to find out. You created this incredible beast that is now stupid cancer. Amazing. I had a I had a small idea you back had, then, yeah. but it was honestly you were one of the Kenny likes to use the expression trace the core back to the wall. You were the wall back then. <laughs> well, and you flatter me. Thank you for being <clears throat> a wall. And not the Donald Trump wall, <laughs> like a really good wall though. <laughs> so let's talk about building the first, at least in my mind, young adult support program here in New York City. It's a really big deal at the time. It's hard for me to know. I'm not quite sure if it was the first or, you know, I'm quite certain that there were many organizations providing supportive care to young adults. But I guess what I began to notice at Cancer Care was that the young people that I was meeting with needed a different type of support and not only a different type, but a different way of being supported. And, um, Social workers and therapists were doing that just intuitively, but I thought that there was something about having a formalized program, a formalized kind of set a way 
to meet with a young adult. Right. Well, cancer cancer. Con, uh, cancer care being the big thing that it is, it was a really big deal for them, mm-hmm. a global free. When I was so lucky to be working at cancer care, you know, I think you look back in your career and you find these moments where you were so blessed to be where you were at the moment. And I was situated at a huge national organization that provided supportive care to anyone impacted by cancer, any diagnosis. And so I was sitting right there in this great place at Cancer Care. And then also, not only was I sitting there, but I was there at the time that all of the research was unfolding that nothing was changing. So at the right time for the young adult movement. So all of the stars aligned and I happened to be right there as a fortunate soul to kind of be a part of that. And then, you know, just... Me, the way I was wired, I just kind of gravitated toward working with young people. I liked the energy of that work. I liked sitting with people at that point in their life. And that just really resonated and worked for me. And it's what I became quite passionate about. And so um, upon leaving cancer care, now I have a private practice in the city. And that is still the focus of my private practice is still working with people who are under the age of 40 and many of those people that I see are dealing with a health issue. So we do a lot on the show about stories. We're going to hear Victoria's story soon. Have you noticed a change at all? Ha- has all this effort and progress towards making it, quote, suck a little less, quote, have you seen that manifest at all? Or, or, or would it be fair or unfair to say unequivocally the patients that you saw 10 years ago have the same exact complaints, issues, survivorship, concerns, lifestyle challenges as they do today? I would definitely say there has been change, 100%. And I would I would categorize the change within the medical community. You know, when a young adult is diagnosed with cancer, they, have, they, they don't know that landscape at all. That hasn't changed. Whether you're diagnosed with cancer in the you know, two, early 2000s versus 2016, to be 20-something and diagnosed with cancer is throwing you into something that you did not expect, nor do you have any previous experience with. So that hasn't changed. The issues and the, in the, um, the obstacles that are ahead of you are the same. But the way that we understand those things and respond to them and support young adults, I definitely think there has been change. Well, you've been a great living test because you've been in the trenches doing this for a very long time now. One of the issues that I always like to bring up is reproductive rights and, and civil liberty around toxicities and chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Are you still seeing women who have not had that conversation or because I look at what are the real tangibles we can look at for a doctor to have a conversation with a woman who is in her fertile years, whom for whom chemotherapy may present an issue of sterility. That's a concrete thing that could happen more often. Do you see that mm-hmm. in your practice? Yeah, I do. I think that that medical professionals are much more knowledgeable about having that conversation and, and addressing that when they meet with somebody who's young. The question is, then what do we do about it? You can talk about it, but that conversation happens at the same time that people are trying to decide what treatment course to do and also managing their worry and their fear about addressing the cancer in their body. So that conversation doesn't just happen in a vacuum. And But the fact that it's happening, has that, that I think is different. Well, that's important because we don't really see a lot of that in our day-to-day. It's nice to hear that from your vantage there has been, I guess we can call it progress, but that it really is a little better than it was when we first got started. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I want to talk about that because it's such a personal experience for me. So much of me got brought out being a part of your group at Cancer Care. Um, that it, it honestly did pave the way for me to have a better understanding Yeah, because we met some people and, and some of them, I think we, we lost people like during the workshops and then yeah. our, our Jody Sachs who helped co-found the Life Lab with this program passed away like two years later. So just, just to look at that book that we published. So those are the, the, the group was called. Well, teachers and writers came and did a workshop. Life Lab. It was the called Life, Life Lab. Lab. Right. And the, the the purpose of the group, you know, when I was, you know, first starting young adult support, um, the idea of doing a support group felt so mental healthy. 
<laughs> to yeah. young adults. Like so, you know, like heavy. And who wants to go to a young adult support group and talk about their feelings? Good grief. Um, so we began to create groups that had a focus and something for people to do. And one of those was called Life Lab. And um, Jody Sachs that you bring up, she um, was really kind of the the thought behind all this creation behind it. And it was about writing and journaling and kind of creating a book. They ultimately created a book of everyone's stories as they kind of walked through this. And and, and then we did many different types of creative types of groups, but that was one of them. And, you know, you, Matt, and I, I sit here in kind of the place of like, what do I share about Matt? <laughs> confidential in my head. Yeah. <laughs> how do I, but like, you know, all young adults aren't I don't know if we can even say young adult but across the board survivors have a strong need often to give back and to make some sort of purpose out of their experience you had that very strong within you and then it's figuring out how do I do that how do I make that something that's gonna be real and sustainable and actual tangible well gift? and I think that that also speaks to the you know we're a young adult show, a young adult charity. We focus on young adults. Why? Because it's different. But going again, all these memories flooding back after looking at looking at Noble again, which is the name of the book Julie uh, referenced that we produced with Life Lab. Um, it kind of paved the way for the what we used to call the stupid cancer happy hours. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about alcohol, but people came over happy. It was a non-threatening, non-clinical. Young adults meeting up at a bar, restaurant, bowling alley, movie theater, just to chill in a way that wasn't therapy, but it was kind of like, we just want to know we're not alone on our terms. Mm -hmm. And then now it's become the meetups and we have hundreds a year. We work with other nonprofits in our space around making sure that communities have some glue to form the foundation of a young adult community because we're so few and far between, but it's it's so powerful to look back with humility uh, of what's, what's happened. And to find others is such a unique thing to the young adult experience. You know, when you think about cancer, most people that have cancer are much older. I don't certainly don't need to tell this audience that. But um, to be young and to find anyone out there who even it, on any level gets it and understands seems impossible. So to come together, whether it be a happy hour, our writing group, our photography um, group, those those opportunities are so powerful, so profound, not whether you're going to talk about it or not, or whether you just have kind of a, a subtle knowing with each other. It's nice. So you've spoken at our events. You've spoken at other partner events like the Young Survival Coalition's mm-hmm. annual YSC Summit. What are some of the issues you address or what you found to be, quote, more popular, quote, amongst the needs of our community? The wheelhouse. Yes, the wheelhouse. (laughs) You know, I've spoken on so very, very many topics, and I've been doing this for a long time. So, of course, whenever somebody wants me to speak, I'm always like, ooh, I'm going to shake it up, and I'm going to do something new and exciting. I'm going to bring something out, bring something new. And that usually, you know, it's okay, and it works, but there are certain talks that I've given that just... They they nail it on the head. It's I kind of I think I said to you at YSC. It's like Madonna having to sing Vogue at every concert. Yeah. She doesn't want to sing Vogue. It's She's got standard. some new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to do the new material, but everybody wants her to sing Vogue, and everybody always wants me to do the talks on fear of recurrence. That is a big one. I get I speak on fear of recurrence a lot. I speak on um, talking to children. And how to support your children because some young adults have their own children and that is a big tender spot of how do they talk about their own diagnosis with their children. So that is a topic I give a lot. Um, Survivorship guilt has been a newer one that I've been speaking on a lot and that is a kind of an untouched topic that many, many um, people have. And they don't always talk about it. They don't know how to talk about it. How they, why they're doing so well when people in their support group aren't. Or if they are BRCA positive, how that feels if they've got sisters or a mom or an aunt who does not have a diagnosis, but they somehow feel now more vulnerable. So that sense of survivorship guilt, I think that that's a topic that I often speak on that resonates. Um, well, there's the flip side of survivorship guilt too, which is what have I done to my family? Yeah. Exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. That's all part of that talk. Mm-hmm. It's quite a 
it's quite a powerful conversation that we're not really having a lot. So right. when I've given that talk, that room is very full because people are like, oh, yeah, I do have that, but I've never really even named it or articulated it. So that's another um, powerful subject to kind of speak on. So if we can focus for a minute on a fear of recurrence, mm-hmm. clearly that is a nail hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. I'm I'm having, I think I told you this, I'm actually having my 20 year brain scan and spinal scan in wow. two weeks, mm-hmm. which I didn't know I was supposed to have because at 15 years, the doc's like, you're going to die something else. Stop coming. Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, you should come back for a scan. I'm like, why am I coming back for a scan? There's nothing wrong with me. But again, Here's that scanxiety coming yeah. up, and I'm so far out. One might say, oh, Matt's doing, nope, nope, nope. Family's freaking out. Wife's freaking out. That's what it is. How do you or what do you share with people about managing? Um, so, you know, we talk about, you know, the the main, it's, a, it's an hour talk, Matt. <laughs> yeah. right. It's an hour workshop. Begin. But if I were to kind of like, you know, wind yeah, it down it up, and give you like a couple nuggets um, is that, you know, I think that there are there are some pretty there's some common big feelings, anxiety, worry, worry, fear. Um, anger, sadness, some big feelings that pop up. All the characters of Inside Out. All the characters of Inside (laughs) Out all come to join you. Yep. And and so there are some pretty concrete, tangible ways that I talk about dealing with those, challenging those thoughts, staying focused on the present, um, you know, breaking up time into manageable bits, knowing what you do with the energy that anger brings. So there's that very action-oriented coping. And then, you know, I will never forget, I was working with a guy once and we were talking a lot about these kind of ways to address your feelings and to kind of challenge your thinking and to stay in the moment and to break your time up and to kind of focus. And he came into my office and he said, you know, so Julie, that's really not working for me. Hmm. And I said, okay, well, glad you told me. What'd you do? He said, I just kind of had to go there all the way to the rotten middle of it. And I just really went into the feeling. And And that's the other piece of this is that I talk too about, you know, greeting, greeting the feelings like a visitor. Hello, anger. Oh, there you are again. Oh, we're worry. You're back. Hi. And just saying, well, hello. Welcome. Because all visitors, what do visitors do? They leave. Yeah. And so if you can make some space for that feeling and allow it a little bit, then you learn to trust that the feeling goes in waves and that it's going to dip and then you're going to feel better and it's going to shift and these feelings shift and change. So there's kind of the action-oriented way of dealing with the feelings and then there's kind of the making space and allowing it to visit and then recognizing that it will go. You have like the best therapist voice. I know. I <laughs> and now we will all take a nap. I feel, no. be- <laughs> I feel better about my parents' divorce already. <laughs> well, we're going to continue with Julie here as my special guest co-host, but let's p- pull to the news. But it's a good segue into the navigation challenges that you must face. Yeah. All these people coming to you that need to be directed to different places that aren't necessarily concrete paths for mental well-being. Yeah. And we have a, a great uh, guest in a Survivor Spotlight lined up. They've got quite a story over here. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a real big deal. So let's hit up the news and then we'll introduce our, our main segment. All right, Kenny. And now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That is events.stupidcancer.org. Sign up for Meetup Alerts and never miss an event again. If you'd like to learn more about hosting your own Stupid Cancer Meetup, visit stupidcancer.org forward slash meetup. Where do I begin? (laughs) I guess I will begin where I will begin. Uh, New York, New York, Boston, Buffalo, Columbus, Ann Arbor, Chicago, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Billings, Seattle, Anchorage, Portland, Salt Lake City, and Denver, Colorado. Finishing it off. Come on, you can do more. What's wrong with you? Boise. (laughs) Saskatchewan. Yeah, all right. Puerto Rico, Cuba. No one should face cancer alone because isolation sucks. Download Instapeer for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Create your account and instantly start chatting with someone just like you who's been there and walked in your shoes. Join our mobile community of thousands of cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers now on your mobile device, Instapeer. We launch a news feed aggregator on Tumblr for all the articles, blogs, and stories 
we couldn't possibly have the time to post on social media. Check out what we're reading 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org forward slash feed. For young adults, clinical trials are a red-hot mess. So we are throwing our hat in the ring to make some sense of the madness. Introducing I Am Not a Trial. Real young adults, real faces, and real stories ripped right from our own community. Watch the entire video series now at IamNotAtrial.com. Support our programs and services by heading over to StupidCancerStore.org. You'll feel great and look great in your new Stupid Cancer gear. That's StupidCancerStore.org. Be proud. Wear Stupid Cancer. And that is your Stupid stupid Cancer cancer News. news. All right. Our main segment here. I'm going to botch this last name again. I don't care. Domna Antoniitis. Oh, my goodness. Two for two. She is an attorney at Legal Health, which is the largest medical legal partnership in the country. She works in collaboration with the oncology teams at Bellevue and Mount Sinai Health Israel Hospital, Beth Israel Hospital, to provide free legal services to cancer patients. And joining her, young adults are Victoria Knight from the UK, diagnosed with ALL, right? Yeah. All sorts of fun with ALL there. Yeah. Uh, while on vacation, all the better, uh, visiting family. She's with us here to share her story and talk about how the law can actually help you. And with that, you get your own applause. Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. Thank you very much. We had a bit a bit of banter um, before the show. And um, Domna, you and I go back a couple of years. Yeah, so, I mean, Matthew and I met kind of maybe maybe four or five years ago. A while ago, yeah. And I might have had hair back then. Mm, I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and, you know, as of late, now I'm sort of doing a lot of work just with cancer patients and had done a talk recently for young adults at Cancer Care. And it really got me thinking again about how there's so many issues that aren't being addressed and not being talked about. And, you know, the work that I do at Bellevue and Beth Israel, really, it takes a lawyer in a different way than we normally think. And I think today, Victoria and I can kind of talk a little bit about how we can think of the attorney sort of as a healthcare provider rather than as an adversarial uh, person in the health field. Well, like someone with an ad on the subway. Pretty much. Got divorce? <laughs> Call 100-divorce. Bender and Bender. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald. They're giving them free earned media here. All right, Victoria, you are up. God, diagnosed with ALL as a young adult while on vacation. Yes. Not yes. that there's a good time for it to happen, but mm, still. No, it was a blessing in disguise, believe it or not. But yeah, no, I have um, my father's side of the family is over here in New York. But um, I don't actually have any legal ties to the U.S. because my parents aren't married. So Domina has um, has been instrumental in, in my care and keeping me here with my family um yeah I was diagnosed um back in October 2015 I um just um became unwell and flu-like symptoms and nobody really knew what was going on and um I kept saying to myself oh you know I'll get over it it'll be fine I'll just go and see the doctor when I go back to the UK because I'm a nurse there so I know better oh boy wow okay (laughs) And, um, you didn't drop that mic before. I, yeah. That should be lead with that next time. Yeah, I should. The I'm nurse a, who yeah. gets cancer. I'm an RN in the UK, so I, I just kept getting these symptoms and kept thinking, okay, you know, it's something simple. And then I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I started thinking, no, this is serious, but I don't want to be a burden to my family. Uh-huh. I'll wait until I get back to the UK. And then my family were like, no, you have to see the doctor doctor did a blood test and before I, he even said anything I said I think it's probably something like leukemia and he said I think you're probably right you need to go to Bellevue I went to Bellevue and they said yeah no you have AOL and um, it's emergent and we're going to be aggressive and no yes you're going to lose your fertility we don't have time for any of that that you know we, we can't save your ovaries we can't do anything we're just going to do this and I was like okay they say you you know you, you and by the way you're not 80 I'm not. I'm 32. Yes. I'm 32. For those wondering why having the fertility conversation matters is she's not 80. Yeah. No, I'm 32. And it was when they said that, I was just, I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, that choice is just gone. That's, that's right. That's a, a huge thing. But then I thought, well, I have to be alive to have a family. So let's do this. And um, it was, it was very scary. And, and, 
I was in a lot of pain and I, I think at one point I even begged to end it all because um, I had blood clots behind my eyes and pressure was up and they thought I was going to lose my sight and then I was having chemo in my spine and it just the pain was unbearable and um, I couldn't focus and then I started to feel a bit better and I realized you know what all of that nonsense about me not being a burden to my family and going back to the UK and 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 um you know trying to struggle on my own at this age you know because you're young and you and you and you're, you think you can do it by yourself I realized no I can't I can't I need my family I need that support if I'm going to do this if I'm going to get through this it has to be here because I have more senior support I have people available to go to appointments with me people to to really be there and cheer me on and encourage me and 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 love me and the thought of leaving them I just it just couldn't bear it I just the thought of leaving them was worse almost than my diagnosis Mm. and that's where Domna comes in Mm. because yeah how did how did this first date happen so, which is a bit of a blur to me because I don't remember a lot <laughs> of my of my diagnosis, but I just remember lying in the hospital, feeling so ill with this face that I thought was an angel that was <laughs> telling me, "I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you here because this is where you need to be." Because my doctors were even saying, "You know, this is going to be a long road. You're going to need your family. We feel you've got more senior support here. I mean, I have a loving, a beautiful family in the UK, but I have more senior support here. And 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 I don't think Domna really realised how much I focused in on her. And she became my my guiding light, if you like. <laughs> so I ha- are are you normally made aware of new patients at Bellevue? How does how did that interaction first start? Like, so it- I think this is sort of kind of what we really wanted to talk about is usually legal services it's a refer out you know the patient finds the lawyer online it's through legal aid and kind of what we had is we sort of had a little system in place in the cancer team and I had my weekly clinics but they would flag cases that they thought there would be some sort of legal issue coming up and especially with the blood cancer patients who might need a transplant so Victoria was on our, in October, they had admissions of, I think, like 12 acute leukemics. It was sort of this panic. Wow. And she was sort of on my list of, we have, you know, 32-year-old UK female recently diagnosed acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Can you visit her inpatient? There's something about her immigration and a visa and transplant, and we're not sure, but can you go? So it's sort of actually, you know, we have our, you know, whatever privacy protections in place, but it's uh, the the doctors, the social workers, they they'll they'll sort of problem spot, and so they told me to come and meet her, and I the first time I saw you was I think after you had your uh, your uh, incident with the psychiatrist and palliative yes. care <laughs> because you had sort of been freaking out a bit and. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of talked and said, okay, well, where are we at? What, one, what's our goal? Which I think is sometimes something that's overlooked. Because it's not just the cancer, it's your whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's our goal? Yes, obviously we want to treat the cancer. We want the best treatment we can get. And, you know, Victoria was really fortunate. She had her travel insurance and she's from the UK. But then we also talked about, well, you know, for her, she would need a transplant. And what's needed for that? Uh, you know, you need the supports. You need to have, you know, a lot more than just access. So, you know, we... How novel, of, by the way, <laughs> to treat the whole patient. I mean, well, that, I think that's the thing. There's so much talk, right? The holistic, mm-hmm. comprehensive care. And really, it's, you know, to really treat the patient, you know, in a sense, the patient needs to have their own advocate. And who better than an attorney? Well, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> Julie, do you see this a lot? Well, I was just, you know, I was talking to them before the show. And, you know, what you touched on, too, was that um, medically, you could have gotten care here or UK. I mean, ultimately. Ultimately, that could have been figured out. But what you were recognizing, and I think that um, both of you as a team were really advocating for, is that practically, logistically, mentally, you were going to get a better standard of care here 
with all the support that you had in place. Absolutely, absolutely. I I have an, a, an amazing support system. Um, I don't believe I would be where I am today if it wasn't for my family and Domina um, because your quality of life, you know, your reason for getting up in the morning, motivation for those days when you just think, oh, I don't know how I'm mm-hmm. going to get through this. It, 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 it's as important as any medication um, that you could possibly be given. Um, and I'm and I, I'm blessed. Um, and I, I think I mentioned before the show as well, I feel like my life has opened up more since my diagnosis. Um, I feel happier in myself. Um, I'm more appreciative. Um, All the things you'd think would happen, but that are actually true. Yeah. It's 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 crazy. You found quite a lawyer. I, I, I mean, just <laughs> listening to you speak, Dominic, what a lawyer to find! Unbelievable. She's yeah. amazing. She's amazing. She honestly don't want anybody else in your corner because I, especially with my case, I know it's unique with the immigration side of things, but Domina has not stopped for the past six months. It's just every obstacle is okay. This is challenging, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna try and move around this because she she fully appreciates how important it is for me to have the support that I have in order to get through these treatments. Is it safe to say that if you are dealing with a payer or a center, having a, a letter sent on your behalf with a legal letterhead carries a little more weight to it than if you were just trying to fight on your own? I mean, I guess, but I don't even think in our, our kind of part was, it was about advocacy, but it wasn't really about adversarial advocacy. It was with- But that is fun stuff sometimes too. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes they'll be like, lawyer, can you sign this? It helps. But I think it for access to care, you know, and that's what I think her, her, our issue together was more about communicating to the doctor that yes, in theory, Victoria can go on an airplane and fly to the UK- However, if there's not a hospital that's already, you know, coordinated with her care team, she can't fly back to the UK. And now with that information, with me sort of pushing them and explaining things, they feel more comfortable writing a better letter, being more persistent. And I think a lot of times there's fear with what doctors are going to say, and they kind of really see things as the diagnosis and the treatment and sometimes you need someone to help open their eyes. So I don't even think it's the letterhead. I think it's more of just, you know, again, another advocate, someone that can speak on behalf of the client, of the patient, and be able to say, I get that, you know, the medical part, and I try to learn and understand what's going on medically, but here's what's going on with the systems in place. Here's what's going on legally. Here's what's going on with her insurance. And how can I get you on board so that we can manage everything? Because, I mean, with we sort of were doing races against the clock. Yeah. <laughs> we had, you know, timeline with for when her status was going to expire. And then with uh, she had gone into remission and making sure that we can get the insurance in place so that you can get the transplant. And the, it was a lot of constant communication and coordination and learning from each other. I mean, I kind of had lots of talks with the doctor being like, so explain to me now. For the transplant, what happened so that then I can explain this to, you know, some random person in, you know, some governmental agency who normally doesn't care. I can sort of put the, the face to the name. You're the Google Translate. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So let's talk pragmatics. This is not terribly scalable from, from a New York Legal Assistance Group perspective. Millions of people get diagnosed a year. Millions of people need navigation services. How do they get it? Where are the gaps? Clearly, I, you know, this is a labor of love for you. I mean, I get paid. so No, I didn't. Know <laughs> and I know that there yeah. are firms out there that do pro bono services right. to different groups around the country. We worked with, you know, this. we worked with um, Joanna Morales and yeah. um, Monica Bryant's sisters in Chicago who were part of, I think, Loyola back in the day. And they, they now started this. Uh, again, they are the you, but there's two of mm-hmm. them. There's not, you know, and mass of them. How, how is this going to play out in the ever ever increasingly complicated sea of navigation specifically for young adults you know sort of a ultimate goal that i have is sort of the idea of the legal services being a reimbursable part of the healthcare why is it that 
a 30-minute consultation isn't something that could be included in health insurance. Right. And then it would be more self-sustainable. I mean, we are funded by grants or small contracts or, you know, across the country in uh, areas that maybe they don't get, they don't have that, you know, wide financial um, support. It's sort of makeshift. It's maybe we'll do a legal clinic, maybe we'll do a pro bono referral. I think really the way to make it more sustainable is to recognize that this is healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you may not think that an attorney can be a, a healthcare provider, but I really think that they can be. And I think that's sort of um, a new way of looking at my role and the potential to allow young adults who have very different voices than your traditional, you know, 80-year-old cancer patient to be able to speak up, to to be aware of what options are out there for them, and to really be more involved in their treatment. I would absolutely agree with that. My doctors have have even have even informed me that they've changed their way of thinking through working with Domina. Their approach to me and my care, and how involved they've been um, in in advocating for me um, is very different because of Domina's approach and how involved she is and how passionate she is about um, patients, um, young patients with cancer and the medical um, side, side of the legal system. So I think it, does, it, t- it takes a certain individual to really push and, and change the way doctors approach care so that it is a more holistic um, approach. So I have to ask the question, if you were not on vacation and you were in the UK, would this have been different? Besides the whole free thing, um, or so, sort of free. So in England, you, the the holistic approach is bandied around an awful lot, and a lot of the doctors have said that you know, well, we know that things are very different in in, in England. You have you know the holistic approach. I, for me personally, on a personal level, my care, my care would be very, very different. I think I don't think I would have been in such a positive place. Um, in fact, I know I wouldn't have have been. I have um, siblings in the UK, but you know they're very career orientated. They travel internationally. They have children. It's not that they wouldn't want to be there. It's just that they couldn't physically be there to to support me. Whereas here, I have a whole village. I live in a brownstone with my family, and I'm never lonely. I don't have to cook. <laughs> they're they're amazing chefs. They're hilarious. Yeah, that's called Manhattan. You know, they're they're just they're hilarious. They're my cheerleaders when I need them to be. You know, sometimes I just say to them, you know, coach, I need a pep talk. Let's just give it to me. And other times they just let me cry. You know, it's but they're very motivated and um, passionate about you know my recovery, and they just don't let me wallow. And yeah, would you happen to know if you were treated with a pediatric protocol like Oncospar, or were you on the other ABVD? Straight away, because um, they said that um, they were like, "Okay, well, this is very strange. We'd normally pick this up in children. Yes, um, we're not we're not quite sure how long you've had this. So normally we'd either go straight in with chemo, or we'd go in with the oral spray cell and just see how you go. They just went in with both. So I, I had um, hypersevad. Okay, um, and I started the second cycle first because I had ocular involvement um, it, it infiltrated behind my eyes. Um, so, yeah, they just hit me with everything. Everything. So um, we had that for, I think I had four rounds of hypersevad. And then in January, I became quite unwell. I developed C. difficile, um, colitis. They thought they were going to have to resect a part of my bowel. Mm-hmm. That's like um, luggage, that stuff. Yeah, and I became quite septic. So I spent about four weeks in hospital back in January um, in an ICU. And um, we've we've come out the other side of that. And I've now started ECOG 2993. So that's new to me. And I was is that just, a trial or is that standard um, protocol? It was, it was a trial, but that is a standard protocol now. So okay. um, that it's quite new to me. I've, I've really recently... Um, started it so it's um i'm feeling it out i was waiting for that heavy hammer to hit me <laughs> like yeah. the hyper but um it's um it's a different kind of a feeling yeah but um going back to domina and and and, and her involvement in my care again i remember one time i was in in the hospital after having the hyper for the week and um, i'm there with a sick bowl being sick and somebody from finance comes down and says to me oh by the way your insurance isn't covered 
for this admission. Um, sorry to interrupt you while I'm vomiting, but um, <laughs> can, can you get X, Y, and Z sent to me in an email? And I remember thinking, okay, I've rolled with the punches until now, but this is just a bit much and, and being crying to Dominic, it's too much. I can't handle it. She said, no, we can do this. We can deal with this. It's well, fine. Yeah. And just her calming influence and voice and just like, no, it's all doable is, is great. And we sp- we're speaking about strong advocates, and certainly Domina is a strong advocate, but she's also knowledgeable yes. around the law and around the entitlements and how this works. I mean, you can have a lot of strong advocates, but the the legal end of this and recognizing that your your treatment and your ultimate quality of life and your healing and your response to care was going to be impacted by all of these different things— and she was helping to make that right. You know, I think about this too with regard to work and and patients and how they need to begin to navigate that legal land because often you're talking a lot about immigration, but the other big legal pocket is often work and how people can still maintain yes. their employment while going through treatment. And a lawyer is an incredible asset there too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recognizing that to go through treatment means more than to walk in and out of the doctor's office. To go through treatment means to live your life exactly. while being treated for cancer. Yes. So I love your spunk, love your spirit, but let's get real. Does okay. it does it suck at night when you're alone? Um. Yes, sometimes. Yes, there was there were times when I cried and cried and cried and just thought, Wow, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. It's, it felt like the twilight zone. Um, but then I thought to myself, this, you know, I, I, they found it. I'm, I'm here. I'm not, I'm not going to go anywhere without a fight. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I'd lost my, my mother to lung cancer in 2008, and I'd, very much struggled with that grief for for a long time. I was angry for a very long time and I kind of just had to sit back and look at it and think, you know, I watched my mother go through all of these treatments and all of these symptoms and her anxieties and fears and and perhaps that helped to prepare me in in some ways. Um, So I, I I looked at that and then I looked at the people that had been introduced to me like Domina. I looked at my family, the staff at Bellevue were phenomenal Mm. and I thought all of these people have been put in my path and they're all on my team and I just felt so uplifted and loved and like I had something to live for and to fight for so I thought you know what I can't I can't let this drown me um because who knows you know AAL any cancer you know anybody could walk out of their front door and be hit by a bus you just don't know when it's when it's your time so I'm just gonna take every day as it comes and just roll with the punches and try and be as as positive as 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 I possibly can and appreciate those people that have been put in my life like I, I said to Domino once thank you for helping to save or at least prolong my life and she said I think you're overstating the fact I said no I said I'm here with my family and that's keeps me going you've done that I said I have insurance and I've been referred to a transplant team you did that too and she really doesn't give herself the credit that she should so well I'm officially giving you the credit I feel like I'm gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) so I think from Julie my perspective speak on behalf of Julie which I never do and I, I wouldn't dare to but the issue of isolation yes meeting someone else who isn't 80 in a transplant unit, you're the only one there that's not six or eighty years old. Have you, outside of showing up here, which is the deep end of the pool with twenty million people around the world, had you ever been made aware of peer matching or peer support or finding other young adults? Um, that's something that I'm just starting to talk with um, with the social worker and things at Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, it's very my referral there is quite new, um, but. Domino has also like introduced me to stupid cancer and, and has been very encouraging and you know look out there there are people there are you know there are forums there are uh, blogs um because I think she knows that I can sometimes go inside myself a little bit <laughs> <laughs> look at that uh the transplant video the YouTube video. yes there's an excellent video I love it <laughs> uh, for it's bad a- blood but for transplants 
it's a parody of Taylor Swift's Bad Blood song. Oh, really? For and transplants? it's so funny. I really, really like it. But, um, yeah, no. YouTube can be the best and worst thing ever. <laughs> you should go onto YouTube and, and have a little look. It's, it's, it's quite informative. It's quite funny. Um, it was the first time I'd laughed at leukemia. When I watched it, so yeah. it was, it was, um, it was quite. Yeah, I would say it's good. Go, go and have a little look. But um, now I am going to try and. Um, there's a leukemia group at Mount Sinai. It's just I have because I'm under the care of two different hospitals at the moment. It's trying to, they, they tend to yeah, fall on the same. That's days. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes, um, because the doctors don't always talk to each other, nope. and then they assume nope. that you know things, mm-hmm. and and they're like, oh well. We don't have this, this, and this. I'm like, well, if you had told me last time, yes. I would have had it all ready for you. But yeah, um, yeah no, um, it's it's all it's all new, and I am I am going to um, try and reach out because I am nervous about the isolation aspect of of um, of things because I I definitely think it's going to be a mind over matter. Um, well, yeah, it's and it's it's the first time that you're. It took me seven years to realize I wasn't the only college student. I had twenty years out brain cancer, so it took me from nineteen ninety six to two thousand and two is as long as it took me to know I was the I wasn't the only college student that ever had cancer. That's ridiculous that it took that long. And going full circle to where we started, things are actually better today than they were twenty or ten years ago. But there's nothing that I think excites me more when a, a young adult realizes that they're not just al- not alone but the the adult swim pool is so huge now once you find it and we want to make sure you find it yeah no definitely because they're they're I, I mean even just on your site and just reading recently i think oh okay so i'm not alone like i've got a metaport which isn't a big deal now but it was when i first had it i felt like a cyborg yeah and i didn't like to look at myself and i didn't like to touch the area i really still don't um but you'll make a nice tattoo when it comes out so i'll just jazz it up a little bit (laughs) (laughs) down the line at some point um but you know and then with recent admissions and things with this significant and drastic weight loss i had I looked like a granny, like I just was skin and mm-hmm. and bone, and then having, and you you just think, am I ever going to feel like myself again? You know, I'm I'm not quite sure where I fit. You know, I'm I I'm not old. I'm young, but I feel mm-hmm. really old. I feel like yep. a, a glass, like you could just shatter me. Mm-hmm. It's and it's you get a little bit angry yeah, <laughs> and a little bit frustrated, but then you think, well, no, you know what? I'm still, I'm still here. There's on those days. I'm like, okay, I feel I'm in a bad mood, but I'm here to be in a bad, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Yeah. Stay angry. That's, yeah. that's our, that's our motto. Here <laughs> again, just stay angry. I, I love the idea of the, I'm going to just call it legal navigation services because it, it, it does hybridize, you know, the Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald and the subway getting divorced and the actual patient navigator, clinical care coordinator who concierges you with that level of leadership that you didn't know you could have. So we got like best friends happening here on the show tonight. <laughs> so Domna's going to work for Julie and Julie's going to work for Domna. That and would be all the A team, wouldn't <laughs> it? That would be exactly. Amazing. Be amazing. And we're going to get uh, Victoria to CancerCon 2017. <laughs> Next April in Denver. Which I only just recently learned about and I'm super excited about. So, yes, yes let's yes. do that this, Denver this time next, next year. year. Mm-hmm. We have a big conference. We should do this topic at East. We have an OMG East Cancer Summit with 200 patients in the fall. We should just do this session, have you guys talk and have you on a panel, which amazing. we do anyway. <laughs> Mallory is like, yeah, I do the programs, Matt. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> I, I, Yeah, she, Mallory, yeah. She's on it. <laughs> Thumbs up over there. Yeah, but this is such an important. So if you go to our homepage, there are buttons that we've basically designed based on what people need. I'm alone. I'm infertile. I need a lawyer. Is the third one. You know, am I fertile? Yeah, I'm purely pissed. I need a break. Like I need a lawyer. Like and and the connotation is is very different than it was yes. back in the day. Where I'm not here to sue my insurance company. I'm here to get by the the ways that they my insurance company doesn't want me to know can be done yeah and it's also you know it's not to i'm gonna punish the doctor either and i think that's a, a really big fear right and it's like we're trying to do the same yeah. thing like help me help you you don't like writing the letters and you're doing a crappy job writing them <laughs> i'm gonna give you a sample 
and you're going to put your stuff in it. I'll sort of understand what you mean. And now we're not going to have to keep going back and forth. Help me help you. I mean, and, you know, you need a lawyer for more things than you realize. It's it's just about advocating. It's about right. system navigation. It's about knowing the, your rights and your entitlements. And, you know, applying for benefits doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it. And maybe you need someone who's going to say, don't worry. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. I can take that from you. You focus on you. You focus on what you're dealing with, and I'll deal with the bullshit crap, the logistics that unfortunately is very real aspect of cancer treatment now. Well, on that note, we've run out of time. Believe it or not, the show goes very quickly. But I'll give you guys um, a, a last question to each other or for me. I mean, you're, you're kind of still in the throes of the what we call the crapness. Yeah. But we're here for you, and you, you have the, the right family. So not besides the other family, which we know you love and we're grateful you have, but you know I'm not really your uncle, but we can <laughs> presume that stupid cancer will become a place for you in time to, to find lovely. to find a, ten thousand new best friends that you never knew about. But if you had, uh, I don't know if you you journal still or blog or, or plan to write, we'd love to have you write for us. Um, what would be your message to other people in your space that aren't eighty going through crapness? Gosh. And it, it could be it, a loaded question, too, because I may not have a message quite yet. But Yeah, no. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to cry and be angry. Don't be afraid to just be your age because mm-hmm. you do get – you do get tri- people do try and put you in little boxes and pigeonholes or, you know – okay, so you've lost weight and you don't feel like yourself and you don't look like yourself, but you're not 80. You are young. If you want to put some lipstick on, put some lipstick on. (laughs) You know, if you want to wear a really outrageous top, do it. Like, just don't forget, you know, you are still young and you're still here and you're still very, very relevant. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. So, Domna Legal Health is a division of New York Legal Assistance Group, NYLAG.org. Is that the website? Yes, it is. And uh, they're available 24-7 for help? So uh, NILAG has a 1-800 uh, or 212 number that you can call in. And Legal Health, we take our referrals specifically from the hospital. So you can go onto our site, legalhealth.org, and we have a list of all the hospitals and how to do referrals. If you're not in New York, um, there's also something called the National Cancer Legal Services Network, nclsn.org. And it's a, a directory of other medical legal partnerships for cancer. And if there's not something in your area, you can usually email someone and they'll try to connect you with some kind of service that, you know, can try to help some of these issues that are coming along. And Julie Larson, LCSW.com. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Actually, that's it, my website. Is it really? Yeah. You that's it. pretty cool. Yeah. Psychotherapy available to anyone in the city or yeah. anyone, anyone, anywhere, probably, right? You do phone. I do phone. Yep, I do phone. And I, you know, even more importantly, I, you know, certainly people could email me to Julie at Julie Larson, LCSW.com. And I take a lot of emails. I speak around the country a lot. So if you're headed to conferences, hopefully maybe I'll see you and meet you there. But yes, I have a private practice in the city and I meet with a lot of people for all these same issues. Fantastic. Thank. What a great show. I mean, I, we, we can't cover this topic enough. The I need a lawyer, but not the Fitzgerald and Fitzgerald crack, right. sidewalk crack. Did you slip and fall? Not a slip and fall lawyer. <laughs> you know what? People have come to me for that. I'm like, I don't do that. Right. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I thought you were a lawyer. What if you slip and fall during chemo at, at the can't, hospital? Can't do it. Conflict of interest. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I can't thank you enough. What a great show. Cancer, I need a lawyer. And with that, our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. The 379th episode of The Stupid Cancer Show. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. I'd like to thank my guests, Julie Larson, Domna Antoniadis, and Victoria Knight. 
Broadcasting since 2007, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from the chemo deck, and on behalf of my whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week, folks. Cancer affects everyone, whatever the age. Now imagine you're 25.